you enjoy this podcast and want to swear eternal allegiance with your money, please go to patreon.com slash shadow. That is patreon.com slash S-H-A-D-E-A-U-X. Now, please experience the content. This is space. This is the final frontier. These are the cases before the court. Its mission, legislate strange new crimes, seek out new perpetrators and new defendants, to jurisprudently go where no law has gone before. This is The People vs. Star Trek Voyager. The People vs. Star Trek Voyager is recorded in front of no one. For the defense. Commander Matthias Zapp, Spurlock, Starfleet Pro Bono Legal Fund. Prosecution. Ultra Magnus Secretary OGT Supersport Deluxe to the Rear Admiral John Q. Continual Mesquire. Judge. The Honorable Midnightian Later. May it please the court. Case on the docket is 213 Prototype. Stardate 49270.9. Original air date 11596. Order in the court. As is well known to all here, these proceedings are being broadcast to the secret arboretum on level eight. So I expect a civil tone and a consummate air of professionalism. No rancor, no ribaldry, and not even a sniff of the lemongrass. The question before the court is this. Is Star Trek Voyager a misunderstood gem or just plain tawdry garbage? Now your opening arguments, keep them brief. Your Honor, I will indeed be brief. Well, 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 prototype. Well, 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 indeed. That was something that happened, and we watched it happen. Rambling techno-speak, so much techno-talk, so much, too much, and flux capacitance. Really? Is this a time-traveling robot? Sure. On its most basic level, this episode functions. But so did that damn robot, Your Honor. And he turned out to be an asshole. Thank you. Commander Spurlock. Your Honor, what is life? What are the standards for artificial sentience? The next generation attempted to tackle this question time and time again through the stories of Data, Lore, Data's daughter, whose name I don't remember, and that episode where the little flying vacuum cleaner robots went on strike. Yes, that's real. That's a real episode. I can't remember what it was called, but it is real. Next Gen always arrived at the same conclusion, that artificial life forms, once sentient, would gravitate to the same vaunted ideals that define the Starfleet era. Voyager is bold enough to ask, what if sentient robots could be big old selfish jerk faces just like the rest of us? Now the evidence will be presented in the format agreed upon by the Fairfax Addendum to the Kittimer Accords. Audio recordings of three white guys interrupting each other. 
play the holocron. Did I offend that member of the uh, <laughs> prototype? Oh, that's a fancy word. So uh, this episode in the cold open initially concerned me because <laughs> it so, starts out. It's so bad. I, 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 I got well, into it. I concerned. You didn't say it was I got, bad. I got into it by the end of the cold open. It's okay to be concerned. But it started with like, we're looking at the stars and then yes. like the screen kind of like, uh, like static comes in kind of like it's right. the twilight zone. Right, right, right. And then we saw the the um, the weird alien heads up display language. Right. I was like, okay, we're looking through a camera or something else's eyes. Yes. Right, right, right. The robot has camcorders for eyes. Right. VHS camcorders from 1992, which initially made me think of that episode. Sounds sweet. The the uh, ex post facto episode, which starts very similarly. Yeah. Right. I was like, uh. But then once it became once they beamed whatever this thing is that we're looking through its eyes onto the ship, and then everyone's faces are looking down on it. Um, I was like, oh, okay, I'm much. This is not what they're doing. I, I, that was just me connecting dots that weren't there. Um, but I did really like the bit where that like Tuvok, of course, is like, let it power down. It's dangerous. We don't know anything about it. <laughs> let it. But let, let me that, kill it, please, Captain. Let, let matter, me kill it for real. Come on. <laughs> For once, listen to Tuvok. Yeah, we did get a great Janeway line about this is a ship of exploration, Mr. Tuvok. Yeah. But it, it true. I mean, she is consistent, at least. She's like, a Starfleet officer, though. That, I mean, that, that's... Science. Science first. Yeah. She was she was a science officer, and then We a know Starfleet nothing captain. about this thing. Let's power it up. Well, let's just shoot it out of the airlock, then. Exactly. Since we don't know what it is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you wouldn't have made it in Starfleet. Maybe like Terran Empire, Mirror Universe. Ooh, maybe. Uh, but then we get, uh, like, basically it gets moved uh, to uh, engineering where Balana's working on it and Kim is helping her. And um, there's, like, there's a bit where it, like, the, it looks over at Kim and then it does this long zoom across <laughs> engineering to a panel where we finally see it, like, uh, I guess they had a webcam going while they were analyzing <laughs> it or something where we can see that it is a robot. It is a robot. Um, which I was like, all right, cool. I'm down with robots. I'm excited. <laughs> and that's basically the end of the cold open. The big like, it's a robot. It's a robot story. It's a robot What more story. do you need to come back from after the credits an, an than the knowledge that it's a robot story? <laughs> an interesting robot story. <laughs> if you're story, here for Star Trek, you're probably down for robot stories. You ever met anyone who's into space stuff and doesn't like know. robots? You don't get a lot of robot stories. You don't get a lot stories. of robot stories. In, well, in uh, Next Gen, you get a lot of Android, a lot well, of... I just mean in the general sense of like, if you're down for a show that's about people whizzing around space at warp speed doing science, you're right. probably also down for a robot story. Yeah. You have probably consumed your fair share of robot related material. Right. They both both fall under. So I think it's a safe enough bet sure. for the writers. Yeah. Um. So okay. So after the credits, right? Uh, we come back and let's go ahead and jump into the design of the robot. Terrible. Let's, let's, my, no, well, no, 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 no. I wouldn't say. Uh, though I did have the question: Why is the robot wearing performance fleece? I did have that question <laughs> over his shiny abs because um, he likes to work out, well, even in cold weather. It's cold in space. In truth, they ran out of money and didn't want to have makeup to you know basically do full body. Oh, that makes don't, sense. Don't come so in they here. Gave it a, they gave it a costume. Swing in the notes section from Memory Alpha. I will me totally right swing it right at you. 
No, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say. That's all I got. I'll go ahead and say the design of the robot did not bother me for two reasons. <laughs> okay. Here's my two reasons. All right. First off, I, it immediately, I felt they were, I don't think they made it, but I think they were going for the Metropolis yes! robot. Thank you. See, I'm glad yeah. I didn't have to bring that up. Yeah. That, that was the first thing I thought too, is that this is that, I'm assuming it was deliberate, but it, it that's the first thing I thought about. I'm like, ooh, this is an homage yeah. to Metropolis, I, I, the I 1927 classic. Yeah, I don't think they made it because <laughs> they clearly were having some budget issues from what you're saying. Yeah. But that's clearly what they were going for. And honestly, the the it's evocative. That sort of almost human doll face mm-hmm. worked for me. I like the idea. Even with the weirdness of, of sometimes it would pulse when the actor inside would like move his jaw yeah. or whatever because it's just a big rubber hood. Basically. Yeah. They well, could have made it out of a harder plastic maybe so that when well, he, like, was so he can leans breathe. up against the door you know. It was only really <laughs> noticeable to when way later like the bronze version show up yeah. and the one comes on the con and is like yelling. It's like pulse, 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 pulse. Yeah. yeah. So that's number one why I didn't mind. I actually liked the design of the robots. I, number I, two they felt very, very Doctor Who. Yes. These true. are Doctor Original, Who. These robots. are version one Cybermen yes. right here. This is the, what you're doing. Which were made basically. These made are Patrick Troughton villains. Linoleum, like, right? I mean, and cloth is what the original yeah, Cybermen the, the, costumes were made out of. Yeah, yeah. So. so, like I said, uh, for me, the like the design it didn't bug me, especially because they went to some effort to differentiate. Like the 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 one that's around thirty nine forty seven has the big dent. Yeah. And then the later you meet his commander who has a big like plate on the side of his face. I'm like, right. So, so like for low budget sci-fi, I was like, I- I'm with you. I, I get it. Well, this works for me. And we also don't know the aesthetic standards of the race of people who created these robots. I mean, maybe that was a deliberate design choice. Maybe they, maybe that's what their statues all look like. You know, right. I mean, uh-huh. maybe, maybe they don't go for hyper realism and detail <laughs> in their artistic. I mean, that's true. I mean, it's true because your your artistic standards they they designate what you think makes attractive technology yeah. as well. I mean, think about like an iPhone is made the way it is because of our our, our cultural aesthetic for sleekness and things right. being compact and all that. So, And we we do kind of learn later that they're se- they're s- they seem to be intended to be disposable, yeah. like not long-term use mm-hmm. robots that have managed to live be- far beyond what right. they're intended for. So maybe that's, that's, that could be the in-world explanation for why you can see all the seams. I mean, maybe I, they wanted them to deliberately not look like actual organic life forms. I don't th- Maybe I, they were trying to make a rift, you know, create a chasm there sure. so that you wouldn't have them impersonating humans. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't have a problem with, with that. I, I don't even have a problem with the idea of it. What do you have a problem with? Uh, the execution. I mean, I, th- I do agree. If I was watching a Doctor Who episode, I'd be fine with it because that's sort of the standard for Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, even now, you know, crappy-looking villains from time to time in space. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it just... It falls a little short for me. Okay, fair enough. I just think well, if, it, if it had looked like a, if they'd done a fully actuated thing that looked like a T nine hundred or something, it would have been. Oh, I agree. I because I li- this is a very classic yeah. robot story, yeah, right? I, so I, I like that they went with a vintage look, even if it was for practical reasons to cut cost corners. Yeah, like I said, I like the idea. I, I still think going with the vintage look was correct. I just it sort of misses the mark okay. for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um. Okay, so so immediately we're jumping back into 
Torres and Kim trying to get the robot, trying to help him. He's his his power core is jacked up, and they're trying to charge him. And I want to give a shout out because I immediately because in the the cold open because we're seeing everything through this thing's eyes, right? And so when the thing looked over at Kim, and no one was like, "It's moving its head." In that scene, I was like, "Wait, are they just being?" Are they fudging how this camera, the camera of its eyes work? Sure. But I so I appreciate it in the next scene. They're like, we they, they say we saw it move its head. Yeah. When, so, you yeah, know, they are aware that it moves. Like, okay, gotcha. cool. Okay. They cover that particular track. Yes. Right, right. Uh, then very quickly we find out that, you know, basically if they just charge it with regular old energy from the ship, right. it's going to destroy the robot. It's going to destroy its stuff. They're trying to figure out whether it can communicate, whether it's aware of them. It tries to talk and fails. It's pretty creepy. Yeah. Uh, we get some really good judgy Harry Kim looks right. in yeah. this section uh, where he's like, you know, just like, we, we need to calm down. You need to like go get a sandwich and that kind of thing. Right. And uh, we get some good back and forth between Kim and Torres, which we haven't had a lot of time for that lately. Get some Starfleet banter. This Don't make me a, laugh, Starfleet. It's become a convincing friendship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It feels natural yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but basically, she's been going crazy trying to fix this robot. And um, he's like, okay, well, I'm getting off shift. You, we, It's fine. <laughs> it's stable for now. Yeah. Um, then we get to then we basically go to her. She's gone. She's, she has like some really weird like engineer's log. Where it's like I need to refill my own energy at the mess hall. <laughs> at the mess. <laughs> oh. uh, 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 but you know, she, we find out that you know she's tried <laughs> thirteen different methods to charge the yeah, robot. Has it worked? They all took twenty minutes. I bet. Yeah, and when we see more, uh, now we see Neelix with more of his "Let me feed you." behavior yeah which is like no just coffee and we find out that she's had two two pots of whatever this stuff is and he cuts her off which is pretty funny and she offers her traggle nectar or jabalian omelet yeah (laughs) though i I wish they made it fraggle nectar (laughs) gross (laughs) these come from (laughs) fresh fraggles (laughs) milk some fraggles back here i do i do like caffeinated i did like the the quick line that uh balana gets about like uh I probably should stop. It was starting to taste good, which I thought was a nice crack against his food. Sure. Uh, but then she's talking about, you know, that it's, that's basically his energy is almost like blood. It's like he's bleeding. She can keep putting more blood in, but she can't stop the bleeding. It's, she hasn't figured out to make, how to make a tourniquet, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Neelix tells an omelet story. Yep, the Jabalian omelet story. I've heard but, it before. Heard it all before. But it, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's, a, it's fine. It's a fine little character moment. It's a little. It's a little. Dare I say? <laughs> dare I say that they these writers seem to be figuring out how to use Neelix in an acceptable manner. Yes, acceptable. What his role is, what is on the show. Yeah, no, I didn't say excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I just said acceptable. Um, yes, this is what I, I, I buy his character as a guy who can come and be like, "Well, I was out of spiff basil one time, and my grandpappy <laughs> said to me that my, blah, blah, blah. my friend has a problem. Okay. Let me compare it to this food problem. Thank I you had. for your folksy wisdom. <laughs> yes, you know." I, I, small bites of folksy wisdom from Neelix, I will tolerate. Sure. I will yeah. tolerate almost nothing else from him, but that <laughs> I will tolerate. And I, I did appreciate that he, all he was really saying was like, you're too tired to figure it out. Yeah. You know, he didn't give her the aha moment or anything like that. She does that on herself in uh, the next scene or so. But then he's like, to bed, to bed, go to bed with you. Um, 
And then we get a quick. Then so she she's she says okay. She grouches off, and then she goes by and talks to the robot, and she like knocks on his head. Uh, lots of interesting camera shots in this episode, which I think this is another Freaks it is a freak special. Movie. So there's lots of interesting camera movements and camera shots that wouldn't normally be in the, the yeah. Voyager cinematic language. Right. But I appreciate it. It was nice. Yeah. Um, then we see her getting into bed real grumpy, real grumpy. Yeah. Uh, then she has like a aha moment and like runs down to sick bay in her weird nightshirt. I don't know. Like It's like a night onesie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they even like, like they even address it. The doctor's like, I didn't know they changed the uniform code yeah, or whatever. She's like, this is what I wear to sleep in. Anyway, uh, it's an adult onesie. It- <laughs> no, I, I get it. They wanted to show that she didn't even wait to like change. She like ran down the hall. I get it. It's so um, funny. <laughs> yeah, and the scene with the doctor is good, where he's basically I love how he talks about the mechanical man because that's a very like 1930s term mm-hmm. for a robot. I was like, like I, it was very much like I get what you're laying down, Voyager. I right. get what you're what you're where you're pulling Sleep from. Sleepwear is problematic throughout all iterations of Star Trek. If you really think it about is. it, I can't think of a time in which somebody had on pajamas that didn't even look really weirdly futuristic or really like from the 1800s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, never, I'll give you that. Never just like a guy, you know, in a sleeveless shirt and some <laughs> boxer shorts or anything. It's always like an eight-piece sleep suit or something. And, <laughs> or like cut down to the navel like Riker yeah. would yeah. wear. Yeah. Yeah. Riker, um, what are you wearing? <laughs> yeah, and this is a cool scene though where she's it's like, it's like he's a robot but a lot of his yeah. systems seem to work almost like they're biological. Sure. And they talk about the concept of a transfusion and the warp plasma is the wrong thing and they're comparing transfusing between different species that I, I honestly love the moment where she like figures it out and starts talking and just walks out the door still talking. I was like, that's great. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, and then I think the doctor gets some like, like closer line. Like that's what I was going to say here. Some, some crap like that. Yeah. <laughs> if that's not in this episode, it's in another one. No, he, time, does sure, yeah. he does say that. He does. But like I said, this is also a good, mi- this is also a good scene that's showing how Balana has already invested personhood in the robot, yeah. like it hasn't spoken, yeah, nothing. She's already like she's talking about how it's gonna die, uh, and he's like, the doctor's like, die, you can't really die, yeah, you can just right. Um, so th- so basically, she figures out that she needs to build these relays to basically stomp on the warp plasma so it won't blow him up, basically, right. And then we get a lovely scene of robot hospital with Harry <laughs> and Janeway, and I was like, this is this is wonderful. I'm I'm, I'm right. loving this. Um, and then the robot wakes up when the, the power comes back online, grabs her arm very, very like, ah, and then asks her to identify herself. And she does. And it tells her that he's, you know, unit 3947. It's like automa- automated Automate personnel unit. Personnel unit yeah, yeah, 3947. Yeah. And, it, and it thanks her. Yes. Which rewards her sense of, you know, the, the fact that she's already kind of foisted personhood onto this. The fact right. that it's expressing gratitude just kind of sure. reinforces that in her mind. Yeah, they did They did a good job of connecting yeah. these two characters, especially in the first half of the episode. Mm-hmm. I'd say, like, I think too much got backloaded on this episode, I would say. Like, they're very, like, it's very clean up to a certain point. Yeah. And then it's like, burn everything at once. Um, so, next scene, it's time for the flirting. <laughs> the robot Torres flirting. Yeah. Uh, they're talking about, they're basically talking to each other, learning about each other, about memory cells. And then he asks, uh, are you a builder? Mm-hmm. And then we find out all about that his race was, his robot race was created by the builders, whoever they are. Sure. Uh, and the big thing is they need a, um, 
a new power module because the ones they have ultimately break down and degrade and they've been unable to make new ones. So they're the whole race is going to die. Right. And then I think that's where he finally says, that's finally where we get to the, the titular prototype of the episode. Uh, So now we jump to the big scene, the scene we haven't had in a while from Voyager, the prime directive scene. Yep. So if we've been laying off the prime directive yeah, arguments, they, they eased up on that a little Janeway, bit. Janeway, after she had that one whole big thing about it, she's kind of like, "I'm going to ease up on the prime directive for a while." But this, no, nope, this, jumping right okay, back. Okay, sorry, captain's duty. She goes full prime directive. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and they actually have a really interesting conversation where T- Torres like, "Well, we can just fix them; it'll be fine." And she's like, "No, it's clear violation We're of the prime directive. Creating life. We're here. helping them yeah, reproduce. You're letting them reproduce. We or cannot do that. Too. Yeah." Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Bolana has the argument like, well, it, what if it was a biological race that had like this disease and we had the treatment that could help them? And she's like, that is, and, and I'll have a, a Janeway's like, I would need to know more about the situation. <laughs> that's not a, that's not a definite yes. First of all, it's really not. No. Um, and this is when I started becoming suspicious. And I think it's because, and it, I'll go ahead and say my suspicions were not borne out by the end of the episode, unless they come back to these characters. Because like she starts talking about like we don't know what will eventually happen if you give them the ability to reproduce. Right. We have that like like we don't know anything about these the, these robots, these people, their morals, anything like that. If you suddenly they've never had the ability to reproduce, and if you give that to them, that drastically changes how they can influence the quadrant. Uh, and so I was like, wait a minute. Is this is this like the genesis of the Daleks? Is this the genesis of the Borg? Is I don't this... know. Is it? Because I don't know. You guys know because you've seen the whole thing. But I was expecting, <laughs> like, I was literally expecting by the end of the episode there to be some like we'll see them again, yeah, or yeah. something <laughs> to like signal to me that 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 this thing that Torres did led to the Borg being created from these automatons, but. They didn't do that, at least in this episode. Uh, you can't tell me, because I haven't seen yet, if they come back and this is actually a thing. But that I started thinking that immediately in this scene when they start talking about the long-term ramifications and we don't know what right. will happen. So we'll see. Everyone who's already seen all of Voyager knows if I'm wrong or right and is... Probably laughing at me right now. <laughs> what if we saw it a long time ago and we've forgotten? I don't remember. <laughs> I legit don't remember. <laughs> we'll all find out together now, won't we? Won't we? Yeah. And I mean, they do very pointedly. Like you said, your suspicions were not borne out entirely, but uh, do note that at the end, you don't see either ship destroyed, mm-hmm. Voyager jumping ahead. They could course. easily bring these robots back. Voyager pieces out before you see the resolution of that fight between the Praetor and, or the Praelor and whatever the other you right. know, rival The silver is. ones so, and the bronze ones. The silver ones and the bronze ones. Bronze the Kravik? Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Uh, so the scene ends with basically like um, Janeway, like, you're very passionate. I understand your feelings and I respect them. But no. I forbid you <laughs> I from doing it. I forbid you yeah. to do this. Yeah. I respectfully forbid you from doing it. And then we get to one of the tr- – the next scene is the one of the trademark uh, Jonathan Frakes charged with sexual intensity, <laughs> very close talking scene lit behind by blue right. of uh, Unit uh, 3947 and Torres basically saying, you know, like, my captain says I can't do it. And then he's like, I do not concur. And she's like, I'd like to try, but I can't. I'm sorry. Uh, he makes a robot sad face. I thought Lieutenant Bellona Torres was a builder. And she says, so oh, did I. Cold hearted. Yeah. 
He, That's that, kind of a sad line, though, when she says, so is. did I. I mean, because she mm. thinks of herself as an engineer and a creator and sure. someone who fixes things and makes them better. And, you know, this is the first time in a while we've seen Bellana. You know, she she was super maquis for like an episode and a half in season one, mm-hmm. and they gave her a little authority, and she's like, oh, great. Aye, aye, Captain. I'm right on board with the whole Starfleet thing. Um, and this is the first time yeah. in a while we've seen her kind of chafing against Starfleet sure. restrictions and regulations because this is something that her ability to fix this guy in the way that he wants to be fixed is something that's so core to her identity. Sure. So actually, that there's a lot. At first, that... That that line struck me as like a little cornball, and then I thought, eh, actually, that's that's pretty well charged with mm-hmm. some with some emotional heft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's clear how like invested she is in this concept yeah. of like helping this race of machines. Sure, like I'm uniquely equipped to do this. How amazing this would be! And we've wanted this out of Bellana for a while mm-hmm. because the we last, wanted anything. The from last Bellana character episode we got was the one in season one where she splits into two people. Sure, mm-hmm. um, and then other than that, she's been window dressing, or the person that runs in with the last-minute science solution. Science widget. Yeah. yeah. So they're giving us what, what we asked for here. Sure. So c- scene ends. They say, she's like, well, we've located your ship. You got to go. And then I was like, hey, Tom. Hey, Tom, you're in the episode. Oh, hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, buddy. Hey, sorry about your robot friend. Um, They basically, they have a quick hailing conversation with the, the ship where they're going to drop off the unit. And and Tom's like, they're very polite. Um. <laughs> and then we get the scene where it's back down at the transporter. He is view screen commentary guy. Yes. That's all we have for you this yeah. week, Tom. Sorry. Sorry, bro. And for the past few episodes. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. There's a comment. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> Collector check down at the office. Yeah. Um, we'll have you describe some flying later. Yeah. Then we get a cute moment with uh, the unit and, and um, Torres where uh, he's, he's like, you're repeating instructions you've already given me. And he's like, she's like, well, just just listen. Just do it. Yeah. Which and is it, the first sort of hit. It's, this is weird because that struck me as a very mother-son kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, we are always like, mom, you already told me that. You already right. told me to be careful and put my, my galoshes on. I think that's what they're probably going It is, for. but that is oddly contrasted against the Frakes-esque sexually charged interactions <laughs> that they had earlier. Yeah. Well, which, I think he's just he's just messing with you. I definitely. think it was written <laughs> to be a maternalistic relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And then Frakes being Frakes, he can't help but have people close talking in yeah, mood-lit rooms. Maybe a little. And he's like, this yeah. robot's sexy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> it, Look at those abs. I think the, the smooth there were, there were aspects sexy. of the episode that I think were rewritten. And I think the mother... the. Bellana robot interactions may have been one of them. So maybe one writer wrote one scene and another wrote the next. (laughs) One of them was like, it's a motherhood story. The other said, no, it's a robot sex story. (laughs) (laughs) We'll combine the two. What could go wrong? We'll do both. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But then, of course, the dastardly robot tricks everyone and kidnaps Bolana, I did not see that. Dirty coming. dog, didn't, didn't see that coming. I love his rupee on his on his gauntlet yeah. that lets him shoot lightning or yeah. something, or whatever. Um, though I did like the really iconic like monster movie shot of him holding her. Yeah, uh, it's very creature the black lagoon. Black lagoon. Yeah, right. I was like, cool. I get what you're laying down. Yeah, they're hitting a lot of those notes here, and it's mm-hmm. it's fun. It's it's kind of fun. Yeah. So they teleport over, um, and then uh, back to the bridge. They realize what's going on. And they're freaking out, and they can't get a lock because the of course. 
The robots have some special shield thing that we've never seen before. <laughs> oh no! What? They have uh, chromo. You mean Voyager chromo has encountered a shield it can't penetrate? Chromo dynamic energy or something? Like, yes. What uh, is that, Harry? Well, some garbage. Nothing. Yeah, it's the new garbage energy of the week. We, we get a we we get a great angry Janeway bit about how I'll be forced to retaliate. Yeah, <laughs> I love that that comes back to bite her. Yeah. Yeah, huh. t- turns out <laughs> she does try to retaliate. You picked the fight with the wrong yeah. folk. With the mm-hmm. wrong robot folk. <laughs> uh, so then we come back to um, Torres is on the robot ship. Sure. And the unit is like, okay, this is where you will do the creation of the prototype. Uh, it's very unwise for you to provoke. Basically, you need to do this. Your ship needs to not fight. Don't provoke us. It's very bad. <laughs> or you'll die. Or you'll die. And I'll, and I'll say, if, if I can interject here for a minute, this is something I wanted to say earlier when we were talking about the design of the robot, uh-huh. which, again, I understand. It's corny. It's, it's goofy. Corny. I'm not arguing with you on that. Yeah. But I do think that the featurelessness of its face makes this extra menacing somehow. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, if this was, if they had just like taken a, a human actor and painted them up like data and said, oh, they're robots on the inside, trust us. Right. It would have just seemed like another human. Yeah. But yeah. The, w- once it goes from being nice and kind of flirty and polite to do not provoke us, Pilana Torres, sure. we'll rip out your spine and shoot you out the airlock. You know, it, it doesn't say that, but it's certainly implied. Um, it's heavily that implied. specific act is implied. <laughs> uh, right. Right. It makes, I think, the kook, like the kooky 1920s-ness of the robot design makes those lines a little more menacing to mm-hmm. me as an audience member. I thought, oh, sure. that's actually kind of creepy. I'll give you that. She's surrounded by these emotionless things that see her as nothing but a meat bag that can help them. Yeah. So I, I think the, the design, even if it was a matter of budget, like you said, contributed to this moment. Maybe accidentally, but hey, you know, we'll take accidental wins too. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Voyager, they're trying to like, okay, let's target one place in the shield so we can puncture through. And they're like, ah, eh, it's not working. And she's like, load the torpedo Load them up. <laughs> uh, then we go to the scene where we were just talking about a Voyager getting fucking rocked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's some, there's some line later about like our weapons are far beyond anything you could ever conceive, you know, or something sure. to that effect. Yeah. Uh, They've probably been, I mean, they, I guess they don't have to sleep or eat, so they probably just stay on the ship continually improving systems all the time. Well, their, so. their sole purpose is to fight. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Which we learn very shortly. Yeah, like right. they're not. Is yeah. this the <laughs> first time we've seen Voyager out tech? I think we, so. We've seen them in danger because of just sheer numbers and fighting a lot of Kazon ships at once or something yeah, like that. I think, I think you're but right. But I think this is the first time they've gone one-on-one with a ship and it's like, oh, their stuff is just better than yeah, ours because they've right. been sort of resting on the assumption of superior Federation tech for a right. long time. Mm-hmm. So this, not to jump ahead to the other episode we're recording today, but this is sort of introducing a period in Voyager's journey where they no longer can just assume they can shoot their way out of any right, situation right. that they're yeah. in. Their bluff has been called at last. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so Voyager just gets rocked. Um, and then um, we get the scene with uh, back on the robot ship with the robots like, don't become our enemy. Our enemies must be destroyed. They are enemies now. And she, finally she's like, fine, just leave them alone. I'll build the stupid prototype. Yep. Uh, then she calls over to Voyager and she's like, I'm sorry. This is my only, I, I don't have any choice. Like I need to do this for them. Yeah. And then we get the super slow, creepy scene of like, we've provided all the materials you need to build the prototype. You will never leave this room. You have 140 hours. Go 
proceed. The first, the first thing I thought about when they said you'll never leave this room was, what about the bathroom? Yeah. Where's she going to go to the bathroom? Did she get a snack? They don't have bathrooms over there. It's a good thing she solved this problem quickly. Can't go 140 hours like going to the bathroom, man. That's just bad for your kidneys. <laughs> but um, they don't ever deal with that, and Papa's I think that's what? a deficiency on the part of the writing crew for this one. Yeah. It's them not addressing where Bolana's going to the bathroom. Where is she going to put Here's a guys. bottle. <laughs> <laughs> we will replicate a bucket for you, Bolana Torres. <laughs> uh, then we get the other, uh, like the command unit that comes in yeah, and yeah. has the big plate on the side of his face. And he's like, if you fail, you and your people will die. Good end of line, basically. <laughs> um, and this is very, I think they do a good job of starting out where the, when we first meet the the unit on the on Voyager seems very childlike and very straightforward and very nice, but then as they go without changing the tone of the way the voice actors are doing those lines, like no, these are robots that are have are completely ruled by logic and their programming. It's like oh, you're an enemy now. Now I kill you. Like there's no concern about our our human feels. Yeah. Um, Okay, so then there's a quick staff meeting, which is basically just Voyager, uh, not Voyager, Janeway, yelling at everyone, like, okay, <laughs> get everything fixed. How quickly can we get it fixed? And uh, Kim's like, it'll take about 72 hours. She's like, that's 24 hours too long. Because they're definitely going to go try to rescue Balana, but they're... But how? But how? <laughs> exactly. How do? How do? We're just going to drive straight at them. Um, yeah, so they're they're... Fix, they're just using the duct tape, trying to fix everything up as quick as they can. Uh, then we get the a pretty interesting, the pretty interesting scene between with Balana, where she's like, "Okay, so you've tried all these other prototypes. Why do they fail? Like you said, well, we replicated them exactly, but they just never worked." And she finally figures out that there's a unique energy code for each power module for each robot basically mm -hmm. and i was like okay so we're we going with this is their like soul like their soul okay yeah. uh it's only this is jumping ahead just a little bit where we learn like no no no, this was designed yeah so they could never replicate themselves right because each one's unique they can't be replicated um the the unit 3947 gives some weird like no i believe there's like she keeps giving him crap. Like, were you guys just programmed to just give up immediately as soon as you encounter yeah. a problem? <laughs> yeah. Um, he's like, well, now I calculate there's reason for greater optimism. Um, okay. So now we're back to Voyager where they're like, okay, we got to get inside the field to beam out Torres. And then they, they they're going to do another shuttle plan. Right. Where they're going to, Tom's going to hop in the shuttle, get real Me, close. Herbie, the love shuttle. And then Chakotay, they give Chakotay, Chakotay, some sassy the line about, I don't want to lose another shuttle. It's like, you lost the shuttle, Chakotay. Yeah. I just. Yeah. You don't get to make was, that barb. You should have given that to Harry. That would have been nice. Harry from the back of the room. Hey, I don't want to lose another shuttle, big guy. That would have been fine. Yeah. That that just strikes me as like, did no one remember? Like, did you like cut, film these out of sequence? No, or? I, I didn't take it that way. Okay. It's, it's him razzing on Paris. Oh, sure. I guess yeah. they, they're going back to that whole uh, relationship they had, I guess, in in the pilot, you know, where they didn't oh, really yeah, like yeah. each other. Oh, yeah, you yeah. know, They got, they were it was definitely like, like I don't care about you, but just bring back the shuttle. It was definitely an antagonistic thing. They but, can't seem to decide if Tom and Chakotay are buds or rivals. I don't or, think they like each other. 
It's hard. Yeah, I don't think think they know. And this sort of toes the line. It's hard to see which way it well, goes. Well, I'm not. Just I, a couple of alpha males locking horns. <laughs> or, you know, it seems like the yeah. weird vibe they're trying yeah. to, life to, to get. Yeah, life debts. Yeah, life debts. Yeah, it fell very flat. It was like, but that that's not even what bothers me. It's just yeah. like he's making, saying, don't lose another shuttle. But he was the person that lost the last shuttle. Right. Having him say that. Well, was the last shuttle technically damaged? It got blowed up by the, the Kazon stole it when yeah. it flew oh, yeah, off. That. Okay, like, that one. It was Chakotay that lost the last shuttle. I, I was thinking of even I was, I was thinking the one that crashed in Tattoo or whatever, but we don't talk about Tattoo. Tattoo that's is been, that's been retconned out. <laughs> but <laughs> great, but, yeah, like the last crazy shuttle plan they did was Chakotay stole the shuttle to yes, go yes, yes. like try to take out Seska and get the thing uh, back. So like, like it's a little tone deaf yeah. to give it to the character that just did that, right? Right. And it's like, I remembered, but I didn't write the show. I forgot about that. Sure. So, like, like, it just bugged me. It bugged I think me. they wanted to have somebody given Tom some... I mean, even Janeway could have rested him with that line. Be like, oh, you're sure, Tom? Be careful out there. I don't want to lose another shuttle. You know, mm-hmm. that is, it is weird that they gave it to Chakotay. I feel like they were like, these two characters haven't interacted in That's forever. That's probably what it was. Here, yeah. have a line. They're keeping some big dry erase board of when's the last time this character talked to this other character. So Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> then we go back to Blana's still working on the thing. She's almost got it to work. Uh, the unit appraises her ability to her improvisation. Like they lack that skill. All they can do is just copy. Uh, so the idea being if she makes the prototype and it works, then they can just copy it. Uh, cause she's trying to make a universal module that'll work for all of them. Um, and then they start talking about, well, do you have other robots? And then she's like, oh, yeah, there's robots. And and he's like, are they your servants? Uh, <laughs> Tread well, carefully. Tread carefully. They seem happy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They don't really. They're not sentient. They're not sentient. Yeah. Most of them are not sentient. And yeah, and she's like, sort of the best answer she could give was, well, yes, but they don't know that they are. Does that help? Except, uh, except for Data and those those exocomps, but I think those are destroyed. Those destroyed. They is that the is there's a little flying flying vacuum dirt devil thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I couldn't remember what that. I just uh, remembered there was an episode where they're like, we refuse to work. Uh, I won't go in there because it's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. and then they sacrifice themselves to save the others. save the ship. I, I did enjoy the data reference here. Like, Ugh. I like that. Yeah. I, I yeah, know, I know it, it's a little hokey. It's a little hokey. But they're in season two. It's okay to, and also, like, I like the idea that Torres is, like, all about data. Like, she's read all the crap about data. People enjoy the occasional reminder that this is an interconnected it's universe. It's connected. Yeah. No, I do too. And since with Voyager, you can't really have people pop up. Like you could, you know, right. from time Not to time, easily. from Not time easily. to time in DS9, you know, you'd have like a character from next gen. Oh, I'm just swinging by the station on my way out to, you know, fix some air conditioners over at Bajor or something <laughs> like that. And then, of course, like, like a uh, wharf becomes a permanent character. Sure. Um, so with this, I think they have to shoehorn these references in there. They got to be name drops. So yeah. There's no other option. To remind you that yeah. this is still the same Star Trek universe. Yeah. But it's natural in a in an episode all about robots and identity and personhood for data to talk about data. Sure. So I, I I actually enjoyed it. She's it like, did. oh no, he's a he's a lieutenant commander. Like we gave him rank and everything. I he can see name. why she <laughs> wanted to make an argument no. that oh, as soon as something becomes sentient, we're like, oh hey man, come play cards. You he's, know, he's my best friend. We hang out. We we golf. He's totally awesome. We golf. Uh, <laughs> So real quick, uh, Voyager has to figure out some sort of diversion. They're trying to figure out what they're doing. They're talking about hooking up a hollow projector to the thing. Deflector dish. Deflector dish. It was a trick that 
Torres did. Yeah, an old Maquis trick. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe. Uh, meanwhile, the prototype is complete. <laughs> I had no idea what you were going to say. Torres. <laughs> she has some good line about, like, the the unit at 3947 is like, the unit does not function correctly. She's like, it doesn't function correctly yet. Yes. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. Program yourself with some patience. And it was a cool scene when she puts the module in and the robot comes alive and it's, you know, prototype unit 0001. Awaiting yeah. programming. Awaiting programming. Awaiting programming. I was, like, I was like, it was a cool moment. Um, and But then an enemy ship comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And we learn that there is a robot civil war going on. Um, the bronze robots right, right. are here and they're mad at the silver robots. <laughs> This is where things start to feel backloaded. I think you, this is where uh, like, you referenced this earlier. Like you're uh, cramming a lot into the last seven uh, minutes. Here. I feel like they're like, how do we get out of this? Okay, so let's go. Let's go ahead and just slice that onion. So the concept that these two robot races were created by two separate people. Yes. Who obviously were interrelated somehow because they had the same tech. Yeah. Right. But they created these these war machines. Yes. And. They decided at some point to make peace with each other so they didn't need the war machines anymore. They were going to deactivate. They're going to deactivate them. So the war machine says, oh, you're our enemy now because you're trying to kill us. And they killed all the humans. That's a cool story. Yep. But that's a whole episode worth of story. (laughs) Absolutely. That's plenty. Yep. Like all we need for this story to work is that the robots are dickbags. Yes. Somehow. Like, Like all we need to establish is that they are bad. Right. In some way. Yeah, and, and that does... And, and just finding out they killed their own builders, that's all we needed. We didn't need the other part of it. Right. Like the the bronze robots. They could have left the whole Civil War thing out, and it still would have been... It would have felt different than other Star Trek treatments of this material, mm-hmm. in which sentient life has just sort of an intrinsic respect for yeah. organic life, because, you know, of course they do, whatever reasons they do. Um, for them to be like, no, we we... You know, thank you for being so progressive and recognizing our sentience and our rights, but we don't respect yours. You're an inferior life form. That in and of itself would have been interesting. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it, it feels a little shoehorned that, like, now you're talking about this whole other race of extinct people. And I, I don't need the whole background on the builders here in order for this story to work. Sure. They don't linger on it that long. And in some ways, the bronze robots are just air cover for Voyager to right. figure out a way Pretty to get the hell out of there. They become the distraction. Yeah. yeah. But it does feel, for something that is paced very deliberately up to this point, it does suddenly feel like, oh, my God, we've got to finish shoveling the 10 pounds of shit into this five-pound bag <laughs> yeah, right much. here in the last seven yeah. minutes of the episode. Yeah. Maybe. It doesn't ruin the episode for no. me, but it just, you know. It feels like things speed up, get really fast going towards the conclusion. Yeah, because for the emotional beat, the moment where Torres says, my God, what have I done? Like, that's where you want to land, mm-hmm. right? And basically finding out that, oh, well, we killed the builders because they tried to deactivate us. The right. moment someone is classified as enemy, we kill them. Yes. That's what we do. There's no, there is, that is our, that is our culture. That is our morality. That's all that we are. Mm-hmm. We're essentially, uh, we're essentially a, a virus. Like, yeah, not even a virus. We don't replicate just like we're, they're like, they just kill. Like that's their, their war machines. Right. Um, so I, I do think that, um, having the bronze robots show up in this whole civil war concept is neat, but it's like, what? Anyway, so, it's, they're just an exit strategy. Yeah, they're just an exit strategy. So, but Torres Torres has her uh, 
Jurassic Park moment there of like, well, we've been so concerned with whether or not I, I could. I didn't stop to think about whether or not I should, you know. And, and I mean, they put her in the right situation yeah. where she didn't have much of a choice. Yeah. Right. But she, once she made the decision to do it, she did it enthusiastically. She wanted an excuse, I think, to help these robots. And as soon as they were threatening Voyager, she was like, great. No, no, no. I'll do it. Steve, sorry, Janeway. Sorry, I got to disobey your orders. Yeah, and I was very curious. Once we hit that moment where, like, she's realized, like, oh, no, these things are evil, basically. Mm. I was very curious how they were going to resolve that. And I was like, oh, well, because the whole time the the prototype is sitting there asking for programming, asking for programming. I was like, oh, is she going to program the prototype with, like, morality? Is that going to be – that would be uh, the very next-gen answer. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But instead, she just grabs a spanner and stabs just her stabs child. <laughs> Poor little baby robot waiting, accepting, Poor zero, accepting zero, programming. Zero, zero, one. Zero 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 one is active and accepting program. Ah, mommy! <laughs> Why? Why? Yeah, and uh, unit three nine four seven is mad, but she's like, "Well, whatever." She's like, "You're my enemy now, Balana Torres," and then she beams out. Um, the shuttle's totally ignored because the robots are too busy fighting each other. And then, uh, hey, Kess. <laughs> oh my god, Kess, have you been here the entire time? <laughs> well, I didn't, didn't see you there. Here, have some Jabalian tea or whatever. Yeah, they crammed her in for the very last scene where she's serving uh, coffee. It's the same coffee as before. Yes. Because there's some line about like, oh, it's tell Neelix this coffee's great. She's like, oh, I'll tell him. What a surprise. Oh, Tom gets a chance to do some mighty fine piloting. Here, <laughs> yes, he does. Which I don't know that we, do we really get to see it? No. I don't no exterior shots. He's sitting on the cockpit like, <laughs> I'm flying like, in now. I'm doing I'm it now. Doing, oh my God. I'm doing I'm going to do it. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> it's okay, Captain. I got her. Got her. <laughs> also, like, they're, they're, they give him some order like, you know, all right, change your frequencies so you exactly match the shield thing. Okay. Did it. All right. Oh, I bounced off. Weird. You know, like it's yeah. like in two seconds. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we get all that stuff with Tom and then he gets her out of there and yeah. it's it's high adventure. It's good stuff. But then we landed the last scene. Low budget, high adventure. The 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 button of the season of the of the episode with sure. Janeway and Torres. Right. Where uh Janeway's being very uh good captain she's like you know i know it's very hard to destroy what you create because she's kind of tiptoeing around the like you kind of killed your child mm -hmm. emotionally are we talking about this are we how much or, are we gonna get into this are we back to calling it a robot now or yeah and then torres talking about like you know it looked up to up at me and asked me for programming and for her to uh, telling that to janeway janeway is someone who could like immediately understand from a science level sure. also as like I guess as a, as a woman, as a potential mother, all that stuff, like yeah. all, how that all would be sort of connected, sure, in her mind. And then uh, she's and she's doing the Jane thing, like you know, you know, don't beat yourself up, don't get too, and you know, blunt is like, well, it was necessary. Yeah, it's <laughs> disconcertingly cold. Yeah, um, like yeah. like. But remember, to just Janeway's taught us. When you have some bad feelings, you need to you bury, bury them, them down. We have recently learned deeper. that in other episodes. Yeah, just bury with, it with a scene between her and Torres. Yeah, yeah. yeah. bury it deeper. Yeah. Don't tell me about it. You know, I'd like it. to give the writers enough credit that that exchange with her having learned that lesson, yeah. of, it was necessary. I'll move on with my day. Um, that that they connected those thoughts. They yes. were like, you know, this is a throwback yeah. to that conversation they had earlier without us directly referencing it because sure. it's in another mm -hmm. episode. Um, but, you know, watching them sort of sequentially on schedule like this, it was a nice connection. It felt like 
character growth that they're undergoing simultaneously and establishing sort of a mentor sure. relationship too with Janeway and Torres. Yeah. <laughs> it was necessary. It was necessary. Oh. Pretty much. Which I like. I like when Voyager leaves us kind of unfulfilled and with dark, sad feelings at yeah. the end. That's a that's generally a good thing. Because for it's Voyager. definitely like you said before, if this is next gen, then they would take the hue route. We're like, we taught it something about itself. We helped it become more human, and now it can take that light <laughs> to the rest of its. Of course, the hue thing ended up being kind of a backfire too in a later episode. I'm gonna go completely fuck up the board. Yeah, ecosystem. basically. Bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oops. But uh, but they would have. That's how the next gen version of this ends. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Um, and maybe she gets a minor reprimand in her report for disobeying orders or something like that, but probably not. I mean, she did, Janeway did acknowledge that she did it to save she the ship. She did to save the ship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she basically t- tries to take the guilt away from her, which yeah. is very nice of her to do in this situation. Sure. Uh, so, yeah. Final thoughts about prototype. <laughs> I mean, there was nothing that was bad. Great. Perfect episode. There you go. No, it was fine. I was not overwhelmed by the amazing quality of the episode, but I, you know, I, I will say I enjoyed it for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I don't particularly think it was great or anything. Okay. Competent. (laughs) Yeah, I I like it. Um, Mm. I mean, I'm. My complaints would have more to do with the goofiness of some of the aesthetics. And then I've even said, like, how that I think they make that work, right. whether they did it accidentally or not. It ended up working out okay. The flux capacitor um, references did bother me. I'm not going to lie. The flux capacitance of the, yeah. the capacitance. Yeah. Because they say it twice. I mean, one, you can kind of let go. Also, I'm pretty sure. Sh- yeah. No. I just, I so, just, do you think that that was supposed to be like a winking kind of Back to the Future joke, or I, I mean, anytime so. I you're mean, talking clear, about flux capacitating you anything, you can't say it without it being, being a Back to the, back the Future, future thing. thing. Yeah, I'm like, mm, mm. Uh, Frakes probably thought that was well, sort of funny. I don't know. Maybe, but I don't know. I feel like maybe if they had leaned into like the wink, wink of like we're we're referring to all these other sci-fi things. Eh, eh, eh. Well, maybe I, I, I would have enjoyed it more. I don't know. I, I'd like it really. I know the ending got crowded with all the weird Civil War stuff, but I do like that finishing note. And I always tend to key in on things that I think separate Voyager from the other Star Trek franchises. And I don't think another Star Trek, or at least Next Gen, which is its closest analog, would have been willing to end on that unsettling note. of Like, oh, it's the story of motherhood. She created life, and then she killed it as a matter of strategic (laughs) expedience. Sure, sure. Uh, (laughs) And then she got off the ship and apparently seems like she's going to sleep okay that night. Um, Maybe not. We don't know. We don't know. But the fact that that you don't necessarily get to see what's going on in Bolana's head at the end of that episode, I actually think is is pretty bold for episodic Star Trek in the mid nineties. It is. Mm-hmm. I think she'll sleep fine. That that onesie looked pretty comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. But it breathes well. She yeah. obviously takes her sleepwear seriously. Yeah. Um no, I, I agree. Uh I definitely think like the first two thirds of the episode are much stronger than the last third. Yeah, that's fair. Um uh, just like I said, if too much happened in that last little bit, it's like no, I didn't need that extra piece. Um but yeah, like I like I said, for me the aesthetic of the robot worked really well. And I just really liked having a Bolana episode. Yeah, honestly, sure. like she's always good. We haven't had one in, I guess, since season one. Mm-hmm. Right? And um, 
Yeah, it looks at the, a lot of work was put into the practical effects of the like her prototype chamber and all that stuff. And like I said, it I, uh, my complaints are mainly they tried too many things. Sure. You know, like I think if they had pulled some of those things out, found simpler ways to get to the emotional beats they wanted, it would have been like a great episode. Yeah. But I'm still left with like, no, I still think it's a good episode. I still liked it. You know? Sure. That's how I feel about robots. Just in general. Just all in general. of them. Yeah. yeah. I'm pro-robot. Yeah. Firm stance. You're always saying that in case they're listening. Robots are nice. The good citizens of the jury have reviewed the evidence. Gentlemen, your closing arguments. Your Honor, this episode is garbage. A by-the-numbers sci-fi premise, plus by-the-numbers Voyager writing, plus a really, really stupid-looking robot. And you get this lovely pile we were just forced to witness. Sure, it has some competent acting and competent direction, but these things rest upon a foundation of Neelix turds. Also, Jonathan Frakes thought this episode was shit. Thank you. Commander Spurlock. Your Honor, this episode is active and ready to receive quality episodic sci-fi programming. It is a compelling take on the intrinsic right to procreation and a super troubling take on motherhood. Are the robot designs a bit ridiculous? Well, I'd say they're no more ridiculous than strapping two flashlights to one's wrist instead of just inventing a brighter flashlight. And no more ridiculous than wearing a jumpsuit for any reason ever. Thank you. Ultimately, the fate of this voyage is up to you good beings on the jury. But it is my august responsibility to make judgment based on the evidence and argument placed before the court today. After reviewing it all, I hereby decree that Case 213, Prototype, is good. These verdicts cannot be appealed. They are final and irrevocable within this quadrant, space-time continuum, and county. Court adjourned. The People vs. Star Trek Voyager is recorded in front of no one. Space Judge Midnightian Later is played by Derek Adams. The prosecution, Ultra Magnus Secretario GT Supersport Deluxe to the Rear Admiral John Q. Continuum Esquire is played by Jonathan Sparks. The defense, Commander Matthias Zap Spurlock is played by Josh Darnell. All episodes of Star Trek Voyager are presumed good until proven garbage.
This has been a Shadow Public Radio presentation. For more excruciating action, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you seek podcast content.